We hope you're blessed and encouraged by the following study from Calvary Chapel, Elmani. It's our simple prayer that you would grow stronger and deeper in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions, please feel free to contact us here at Calvary Chapel, Elmani. Uh, Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for tonight, Lord, I thank you for your word, and uh, Lord, I just pray that, uh, Lord, that you would just focus my thoughts, Heavenly Father, and uh, and Lord, that just uh, your people, Heavenly Father, Lord, would uh, just be blessed by your word, Lord, that your word doesn't return void, Heavenly Father, Lord, so I pray for the hearts of everyone here, Lord, including myself, Lord, and, and Lord, I just pray that, uh, Lord, you would just reveal yourself maybe in a new way, Lord, I just thank you. And I praise you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, we're gearing up for for uh, for Christmas, and Manny wanted to put together a few messages, you know, kind of leading up to Christmas. And it's kind of funny that that he asked me to uh, to kind of come up and and share um, because uh, I grew up not celebrating Christmas. You know, I grew up. Um, Actually, just not I hating Christmas right <laughs> that Christmas season um I was raised in a in a denomination um it, very similar to church of uh, uh seventh day adventism uh if you're familiar with that and um it was called Church of God seventh day it was a small small denomination uh very very cool people you know in that church um but they were, you know, that, that denomination is, is very legalistic, um, you know, really known more for, for what you couldn't do than what you could do, you know, for, for the Lord. And um, it was just always an awkward time. That's why I, I didn't care for Christmas, you know, because, you know, you go to school and everybody asks you, you know, what did you get for Christmas, you know? And, uh, man you just start making things up, man. You say, you're just like, man. And then you hope, you hope, that, you know, that they don't come to your house and ask, hey, man, where's that, where's that toy you got, man? You know, I broke, you know. <laughs> you know, it was just, it was awkward, man. I, you know, I just didn't care for the whole season um, because of that. And um, so it's just, it's kind of funny that, that uh, man, he asked me to come up here to share. Um, during Christmas time when I was a kid, it was kind of, um, well, looking back at it now, uh, we would get together, you know, my mom's family was really tight and she had seven sisters and, and they all had big families, you know, and, and so we would get together at one of my Thea's house, my, my Thea Ursky, her name was Ursula, but they called her Ursky. And, uh, she lived here in La Puente and, and, uh, we would get together at her house, um, Mind you, we didn't celebrate Christmas, but we, you know, my family, my dad would, would, you know, we would all go to spend time with the family, and man, it was just like torture, you know, we would go and, you know, they had, my, my Thea would put up a big Christmas tree, and, and just all of my cousins, and there was just like loads and loads of presents under there, and uh, everybody knew we didn't celebrate Christmas, you know, so uh, I think my dad thought of built character or, or something, man, it was just, to me, it was child abuse, but, but, you know, we would go, and uh, my Thea Erski, you know, she was just, she was, uh, uh, she was feisty. She was really feisty, and, and it was always really cool to hang out at her house, and so that's where we would, we would spend our, our Christmases. So, um, so like I said, kind of funny that I'm up here talking about giving kind of a Christmas, Christmas-y message. Um, 
But anyways, the, uh, the scripture that we're going to be opening up to is in Isaiah chapter 9. If you want to uh, open up there. And it's verses 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice, from that time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Little uh, piece of trivia is uh, uh, for those of you who play Bible trivia, the book of Isaiah is the longest uh, prophetic book in the Bible. Um, the Lord gave him a vision of, of just that, that time of, of, uh, of mankind and what mankind is going to go through and just revealed just so many things in that book of Isaiah. If you ever read it, man, it, it's, there's a, just so much there and, and it's crazy because I mean, he was, he was seeing things that were happening at that moment. Then he saw things, you know, that, that are still actually coming, coming true today. You know, I mean, just, you turn on the news and. And uh, you can see the book of Isaiah just unraveling. I mean, it's just, it's crazy the way it is. And, and Isaiah was just, uh, you know, he was just obedient to, to uh, write down what the Holy Spirit was just giving him. And that's why we have this book today. Um, it's just awesome. He lived in the time of King Uzziah. I don't know if any of you know the story of King Uzziah. But, uh, you know, he was a, a king like... Uh, many kings of, of uh, that the, the people of Israel had, you know, that just uh, started out well, but didn't end very well, you know. Um, just uh, received the, the kingdom at a real young age and, you know, just had a lot of victories, you know. He just had a lot of, uh, uh, you know, seeking the Lord and the Lord blessing him, you know, uh, throughout his, his uh, you know, kingship. And uh, was just, you know, like I said, doing just super good. And then, you know, like what ends up happening to most people where, where you're just receiving blessing after blessing, his head get kind of big. And uh, you know what? He got a little full of himself and, and uh, was his downfall. Um, in fact, why don't, we, why don't we go ahead and turn to Second Chronicles and we could read about kind of these are the life and times that, that uh, Isaiah lived in. And so to give us a little idea of what he was, uh, the time frame that, that, like I said, that he lived in, uh, and during the time of King Uzziah. It's chapter uh, 26 of Second Chronicles. It says, uh, now all the people of Judea took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, and they made him king instead of his father Amaziah. He built Elath and restored it to Judah after the king rested with his fathers. Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king, and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jecoliah, I'm not sure, of Jerusalem. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all 
his father, his father Amaziah had done. He saw God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. And as long as he sought the Lord God, or as long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. Now he went out and made war against the Philistines and broke down the walls of Gath, the wall of Jebna, and the wall of Eshdod, and he built cities around Ashdod and among the Philistines. God helped him against the Philistines, against the Arabians who lived in Gerbal, and against the Meunites. Also the Ammonites brought tribute to Uzziah. His fame spread as far as the entrance of Egypt, for he became exceedingly strong. And Uzziah built towers in Jerusalem at the corner gate, at the valley gate, and at the corner buttress of the wall. And then he fortified them. Also he built towers in the desert. He dug many wells, for he had much livestock. Much in the lowlands and in the plains, he also had farmers and vine dressers in the mountains and in Carmel, for he loved the soil. Moreover, Uzziah had an army of fighting men who went out to war by companies according to the number of their role as prepared by Jael, the scribe, and Maesiah, the officer, under the hand of Hananiah, one of the king's captains. The total number of chief officers of the mighty men of valor were 2,600, and under their authority was an army of 307,500 that made war and mighty power to help the king against the enemy. When Uzziah prepared for them, for the entire army, shields, spears, helmets, body armor, bows, and slings to cast stones. And he made devices in Jerusalem invented by skillful men to be in the towers and the corners to shoot arrows and large stones. So his fame spread far and wide, for he was marvelously helped till he became strong. But when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction, for, the, for he transgressed against the Lord his God by entering the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. So Azariah the priest went in after him, and with him were 80 priests of the Lord, valiant men. And they withstood King Uzziah and said to him, It is not you, it is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priests, the sons of Aaron, who are consecrated to burn incense. Get out of the sanctuary, for you have trespassed. You shall have no honor from the Lord God. And Uzziah became furious, and he had a censer in his hand to burn incense. And while he was angry with the priest, leprosy broke out on his forehead before the priest in the house of the Lord beside the incense altar. And Azariah the chief priest and all the priests looked at him, and there on his forehead he was leprous. So they thrust him out of the place. Indeed, he also hurried to get out because the Lord had struck him. King Uzziah was a leper until the day of his death. He dwelt in an isolated house because he was a leper. For he cut off from the house of the, from the Lord when Jotham his son was over the king's house, judging the people of the land. Now the rest of the acts of Uzziah from the first to the last, the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, wrote. So Uzziah rested with his fathers and they buried him with his fathers in the field of burial which belonged to the kings. For they said, he is a leper. And then Jotham, his son, reigned in his place. I mean, just kind of, man, it's an amazing story. I love the Old Testament, man, because it kind of just, you can visualize what's kind of going on. 
and it just tells like just uh just crazy stories and um so that was the 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 kind of the time that that Isaiah lived and it was actually upon the death of Uzziah that that um Isaiah kind of gets that call to the uh to the ministry uh of being a prophet and we can read that in Isaiah chapter 6 if you want to turn there Chapter uh, 6, verse 1. It says, In the year of the king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And he cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. So I said, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin is purged. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. And he said, Go and tell this people. Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. You know, man, to me, that is just like one of the coolest little stories there of the, of the Bible. I've always loved that. I heard that story first when I was a little kid, you know. And for some reason, it just kind of clicked with me. And, and I was just like, wow, man, you know. Here was a guy that stepped up, you know. Here was a guy that, that God called out to, you know. He says, man, who shall we send? And he says, send me. Man, I've always loved that. For some reason, that always just struck a chord to me, man. You know, my son Isaiah, that's actually why I named him Isaiah. Because, man, I said, man, I want him to be that kind of man. He's the kind of man that just is not scared to step up, you know. And, you know, he's becoming that kind of man. I'm so proud of him. It's the kind of man I want to be when I grow up. You know, I mean, <laughs> you know, you know it's, it's just an awesome thing when, when there's a calling on somebody and they don't chicken out, you know. It's so easy to say no. It's so easy to hide. It's so easy to, to back down. But Isaiah here, man, he says, man, send me. That is, that is unbelievable. On the end there, he says, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. You know, he didn't really understand fully what all that he was even going to be writing, right? All the prophecies. How could he, right? I mean, he was 
talking about the future. He was God was revealing things to him that he had no idea how they were all going to kind of play out. He was just obedient. God told him this, the Holy Spirit, you know, just showed him what to write, and, and he was obedient to it, and he wrote it, you know. And, you know, the, uh, um, the evidence of a prophet is, man, is what they said coming to pass. And it is, word for word, you know, word for word is coming to pass. And it has and it continues to. And so we know he was the real deal. Let's go back to Isaiah chapter 9. Now this is one of the things that Isaiah was, was prophesying of, was that coming Messiah, you know. For unto us a child is born, for unto us a son is given. You know, right there, I mean, you can kind of stop right there and, and, and it blows you away. You know, because in, in that one sentence, not even a whole sentence, in, in half a sentence, he, he speaks of the humanity of Jesus and he talks about the deity of Jesus. I mean, vol, you know, volumes of books have been written on that, on that one topic, you know. I mean, denominations have, have come up and, and, I mean, just all on that basic, you know, statement. I mean, that is huge. And yet, Isaiah, man, he nails it in half a sentence. He says, man, where to us, a child is born. That's the humanity of it. You know, Mary gave birth to, to a baby, right? I mean, that's what we're celebrating this time of year, was that Jesus was born in a manger. Um, he was a baby. You know, these last couple months, few months, I've been around a lot of babies, and and it's and it's and it's been a little while, man. You know, and you know what, man? Babies cry. Babies, you know eat, you know, babies sleep, then they eat again, and then they sleep again, and then, you know, and, and they play, and they giggle, and they do everything, you know what I mean, they're just, they're babies, Jesus became a baby to us, a child is born, you know, he was a baby, he was 100% human, you know, that's just an amazing, amazing thing. He wasn't the only one that kind of mentions that. If you jumped over to Philippians chapter 2, Paul even writes a little bit about it. In chapter 2, verses 5 through 7, he puts it beautifully about the humanity of Jesus. He says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. You know, Jesus voluntarily became a man. It's just uh, amazing when you kind of sit back and you think about it. But the second part of that, in, back in Isaiah chapter 9, was that 
For unto us a son is given. That speaks of the deity of Christ, right? Because whose son was it? It was God's son, right? A son was given. Man, you let that sink in and it kind of blows you away. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, right? That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God gave him. You know, God gave him. He was 100% God, and yet he was 100% man. He goes on to say that his name will be called Wonderful. In verse 6, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You know that, uh, it's funny because as I'm reading that, I'm like, okay, his name will be called Wonderful. And um, I think, okay, well, Wonderful, I know Wonderful. Wonderful means wonderful, right? (laughs) It's like, okay. But, uh, you know, you know, you're kind of thinking, oh, there has to be more to it. And, man, I was, I was blown away because, you know, I, I kind of I said, well, you know, I wonder what the real definition of it is. And I went to, you know, I was on the computer, and I looked, punched in Webster's Dictionary. And, uh, um, you know, it came up, and, and this is what it said. And, man, it, it, I don't know if it's going to blow you away, man, but it kind of blew me away. It says, adapted to excite wonder or admiration, surprising, astonishing, astounding, exceptional, exquisite, fabulous, fantastic, fascinating, formidable, glorious, heavenly, immense, incomprehensible, inconceivable, indescribable, magnificent, miraculous, outstanding, phenomenal, sensational, splendid, superior, tremendous, unimaginable, unparalleled, unspeakable, wondrous. Man, I I don't know why, but when I read that, man, just like chills went up. It says his name will be called Wonderful. And you start plugging in those, whoops, I'm sorry. You start plugging in those names, and man, I just, like I said, I just got chills when you say, man, his name would be called Astounding. His name would be called Exceptional. His name would be called exquisite, fabulous, glorious, heavenly, outstanding, you know, unconceivable. I mean, you start plugging in, and for some reason it just made that idea of who Jesus is, man, just huge to me. It was like, wow, man, he's all of that, you know? And just that one little word, wonderful. It says he's gonna, his name would be called Counselor. Counselors defined as being an advisor in time of need. You know, who do you go to? You know, when you're in need, do you go to a friend? Do you go to your mom? Do you go to your dad? You know, you go to whoever, you know, I mean, you go to, you know, horoscopes, man, psychic hotline, whoever, you know, you go to somebody. In your time of need, you're looking for advice. You need somewhere to go to. You're going to somebody. We all do, right? We all do. It's natural. 
What this is saying is go to God. He says, he will be your counselor. I mean, I'm, I'm guilty of it, man. Of, of, you know, Manny says it all the time. He says, before you go to the phone, go to the throne, right? Did you make that up, Manny? Did you? <laughs> I don't know if I, you know, I'll, I'll give him credit, right? It's so true, though, right? Man, his name will be called Counselor. Go to him. You know, one of the greatest examples of, of someone that went to him a lot was David. You know, a few years ago, we were going through the book of Psalms, and, and uh, me and a few other guys would, would come up and, 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 you know, would share on the Psalms. And we went through the, the whole book, and um, I remember then just, just like being blown away by that fact that David would constantly go to God, you know. Um, there were times in the life of David where he was on the run from Saul or from his enemies, and he'd be in the desert in the mountains and be hiding out, and he just felt like the world was crashing in on him. He had lost everything. He went from, you know, from being in the king's palace to being on the run, and he would go to God, you know, over and over again. In 2 Samuel 22:7, David wrote, In my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried out to my God. He heard my voice from the temple, and my cry entered his ears. You know, he hears us, is what David is saying there. David hears, I mean, <laughs> God hears you. God hears you, man, you know, when, when you cry out to him. You know, know that. Know that. It's not, you know, you're not, you're, you're, your prayers are not going to hit the ceiling. You go to God with a humble heart, man. You go to him in that distress, and he'll hear you. If you're his child, you know, if you've given your life to the Lord, you can go with confidence to the throne of God, and he hears you. Not only does he hear you, but he'll then instruct you. Right, because what kind of counselor would he be if all he did was was just listen, right? I mean, you know, you could talk to your dog and and he would listen, right? But he he's not gonna tell you how to get any better, right? So a good counselor is somebody who doesn't just listen to you, but then is able to give you the advice that you need, right? And that's what makes a good counselor. In Psalms ninety-seven twelve. It says, blessed is a man whom you instruct, O Lord, and teach out of your law. God is going to instruct you. Know that. But when he instructs you, he's going to do it, you know, a couple ways there. He's going to do it through his Holy Spirit. He's going to do it through his word. You know, anything besides that to me is suspect. You know what I mean? But... But, uh, you know, you talk about visions and this and that or whatever. Uh, you know, I'm not on board. But the Holy Spirit and the Word, that's powerful. And the thing to remember is that they're never going to contradict each other. Never. If they do, then you got, you got, you know, you got to figure this thing out. Something's wrong. 
because they are not going to contradict each other. The word will never contradict the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit will never contradict the word. The Lord will, will just shine a light on a verse, on something, um, his Holy Spirit, maybe speaking through a friend, maybe speaking through a pastor, maybe through, through what somebody is saying, you know, somehow, some way, the Holy Spirit is going to be, be used. But somehow the message is going to get across. But the thing is, is are you listening? You know, the fault isn't going to be on God's side. You know, if, if we're not getting that advice that we're seeking, then that's really on our, on our side, right? Are we listening? Are we in his word, right? Because those are going to be the ways that he communicates to us. But know that he's our counselor, and he hears us, and he'll instruct us. We just need to go on and be obedient because he's just that ultimate counselor. The pastor goes on, goes on to say that he'll be called a mighty God, everlasting Father. You know, a mighty God. I don't know, for some reason, I just thought of that, that song. Uh, my wife would always sing it to the kids. You know, my God is so, you know, my God is so big. My God is so strong. You know, my God is so mighty. There's, how does that go? <laughs> go something like that. <laughs> my God is so big. My God is so strong. There's nothing my God cannot do for you. But, uh, you know, he opens doors and closes doors, Right? You know, they say that he opens doors no man can shut, and he shuts doors no man can open. You know, and I have seen this again and again and again in, in, in my life, in my family's life, where just it looked bleak, man. It looked like there was just no way this was going to work out, you know. And... It would happen, like I said, over and over again with things that happened, uh, like I said, with my children, uh, with my wife and I, just with, you know, finances, with anything, you know, where it, things look, you're just like, I don't know how this is going to pan out. And then you finally get to that point, man, where you just say, all right, God, I'm done. You know, I've exhausted every avenue that I know what to do. And now, God, I, I, I just give it to you. And it's so weird because it's at that point, man, where God says, that's what I've been waiting for, you know? And you just start seeing things falling in line you never expected, you know, where people step in to, you know, your life or, or to, into the scene that you, you know, could have never dreamt. And it's just like you see a door open that just wasn't even there two minutes ago, you know? And you're like, man, who can do that? Who's mighty enough to do that? God does that. Right? I mean, that's, that's, that's God. He's mighty. Never doubt that. It says that he's the everlasting father. You know, that everlasting father, you know, I was lucky. I, I you know, I had a dad. You know, and I had a good dad. Um... Christmas time, he was a little difficult, but, <laughs> but you, know, you know. But besides Christmas, 
you know, he, uh, uh, he, you know, like I said, was just, he was a good dad. But, you know, because of the fact that uh, there are so many people, so many of us, that maybe didn't have a good dad, you know, or didn't have a father at all, you know, I think that's one of the things that the enemy uses so much today that makes it so difficult for people to, to be able to make that connection that Jesus, that, that God is, is a good father because they don't know, they can't compare it to anything, you know. It's like, man, it's, it's just hard for them to make that connection. But he is that good father. In Deuteronomy 31, 8, he says, he'll never leave you nor forsake you. You know, a good father never leaves you, never forsakes you. Doesn't give up. The Bible says that God is our everlasting father. You know, it's funny because, you know, as as uh, as kids um, or, you know, kids look up to their up to their their father, I think, in, in special ways. It's funny because uh, Katie, um, well, my wife and Katie, I guess, got it from from my wife. They like to do little little crafty things you know what I mean just little uh, they'll grab an old piece of wood and write on it and they, they you know it looks cute and <laughs> and uh and uh you know they just they got that talent you know to, to do that kind of stuff and and the other day I was in uh, the room where my wife keeps a lot of that stuff and and uh there was a, a little plaque there that um uh and it said well what it was was Katie I guess heard Samuel say this and you know, wanted to remember it. And it said, I love Superman, I love Batman, and I love Daddy. You know? And, you know, it's just, you're just like, oh, man. But that's how, that's how kids look up to their fathers when they're little like that. You know? They think, man, you know, they think you're six feet tall. <laughs> well, for some of you six-footers, like you're ten feet tall. Right? <laughs> Well, for me, it'd be six foot. But, uh, you know, that's the way they look to a father. You know, as dads, you know, we, we really just can't forget that, that we play that just that key role in forming that, that idea of a father to our kids. You know, they think we can do anything. You know, unfortunately, you know, they get older and, and uh, um, you know, we go from being a super dad to a super dud, you know what I mean? And, and uh, you know, somewhere around like 15, right? Somewhere around there, man, they just, they fall off a cliff. But, you know, he's is our everlasting father. He doesn't change, right? Our kids, you know, we change in our in our kids' eyes, but, you know, they start to see all the, you know all the uh, the dance in the armor, man. But but uh, you know we're we're human. And they start to figure that out real quick. But but God, He's the everlasting Father. You know, 
It's perfection. It goes on to say that he's the prince of peace. You know, as I get older, you know, it's it's funny. You know, as I get older, I don't want to be I don't want to be rich. I have no desire to be rich. I've got no desire for a big house. I've got no desire for a fancy car. You know, none of that means anything to me. You know, I want a Harley. Got to confess. All right. <laughs> but other than that, not wanting for anything. But what I what I do want, what I what what is my greatest desire, besides that Harley, is is is, is peace. You know, on a serious note, is peace. You know, I want peace in my marriage. I want peace in my family. I want peace uh, in my home. Man, one of my greatest desires is for my children to have peace. You know, peace in their marriages, peace in their home. You know, have you ever had that feeling that, man, you give it to God, and it's just like, you know, man, that is an awesome feeling. You know, when you just surrender it. You know, I'm guilty of not being able to do it all the time. But I have tasted that. Right here. This is he's the Prince of Peace. See, when you're in the midst of all that, all that trouble, all that nonsense, all that drama, that uh, peace that passes all understanding. Right? It's people looking at your situation and seeing, like, man, how is this dude even standing? And you're just like, man, it's all God. You know? He's the Prince of Peace. He gives that. We can't forget it. Verse 7 in chapter 9 says, Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice, from that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Like I said, Isaiah, as he was writing this, probably had no idea of exactly how this was all going to kind of work itself out. And no doubt the disciples, being, you know, good Jews, they knew this, they knew this scripture. And that's part of the reason why they always look for Jesus to create this government, right? To overthrow the Romans who were, you know, kind of, you know, kind of stepping on them. Right, and anytime Jesus started to talk about the fact that he was going to have to die, that he was going to be crucified, they, they man, they didn't want no part of that. Right? They would they would want to start changing the subject, man. You know, who's going to be the greatest in your kingdom? And you know, let's get this thing started. Right? I mean, they, you know, they were in a hurry to get to get to that, and they totally missed the point that Jesus had to die. You know, remember, a son was given. Because God knew that there had to be a sacrifice. He wanted so much for us to, to have that communion with him. You know, He wanted us to be with him. But there was no other way other than
for there to be a sacrifice for that sin that he just couldn't look on us, you know, when we have it. And so a son had to be given, right? You know, what a gift that son was. You know, we can never look past that. I mean, especially now this time of year, right? That that's the greatest gift, right, was that a son was given. That's why we have communion with God. You know, I mentioned earlier that, uh, you know, we would get together at my, uh, my Theoriskis, right, over in uh, La Puente, right? <laughs> and, and uh that we would we would get together and and like I said it was a it was a big family time and and you know like I said all those gifts were under the tree and and everybody knew we didn't celebrate Christmas and and uh, uh, you know my cousins made out like bandits man but uh, we would stay we we would stick around till midnight you know and everybody opened up their gifts at midnight I'm telling you they that was abuse but but we would stick around till till midnight. And uh, man, they would have just attacked those 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 presents, right? All my cousins. Well, I told you my my tia, she was she was a little feisty, and she would stand up to my dad every year. And so you know the kids would attack that those presents, and my brother, I have two brothers, two sisters, and and we knew that there would always be one present for each of us. <laughs> and uh <laughs> it's funny you know my uh my tia my you know it was always the same every year my dad would would you know kind of shake his head like ay que la you know and my tia would always just look at my dad and she she would say his name was Eli Elias say Eli is none of your business you know she would say this is for them you know you know like I said, I, I didn't like Christmas, but you know what? I like that because she thought of me. And uh, in reading this, you know, I've heard it said by many pastors that uh If God had to give his son, man, from the glory of heaven, man, and say, man, I'm going to send you down. You're going to be born in a manger. And, man, you're going to be abused. You're going to be scorned. You're going to get beat. You're going to get hung on a cross. That if he did all that for just for you, that he would have did it. And I understand, man, that you're special in God's eyes. He loves you so much. Man, during this time of Christmas, you know, there's going to be a lot of gifts and a lot of giving away, a lot of credit card debt. There's going to be, 
There's going to be all of that. But man, don't forget that greatest gift, man. That greatest gift that God gave us his son. And just please always, always remember that. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you so much for your goodness and for your love. That, um, that, love we, that love that we just don't deserve, Lord. That you gave your son, dear Heavenly Father, for the likes of me, Lord. For the likes of any of us, Lord. Forgive us, dear Heavenly Father. Help us to fall in love with you in a new way. In a way that just shows our appreciation, dear Heavenly Father, for that sacrifice that you gave, Lord. For that child that was born, for that son that was given, that we just never look at that the same, Heavenly Father. I thank you, Lord. I pray for everyone here, Lord. I pray for their families. I pray for their, their loved ones, Lord. Lord, you know the, the difficulties, Lord, that each and every one of us may be looking at, Lord. You're that great counselor, Lord. We just we give it to you, Lord. Help us to, Lord, surrender it, Lord. You are the Prince of Peace, Heavenly Father, and Lord, you would give that to us, Heavenly Father, if we were just to look to you. Surrender it to you, Lord, and I just, I thank you so much, Lord. If there's anyone here, the Lord, that doesn't know you, Lord, I pray that, Lord, they would just say that prayer in their hearts, Lord, just inviting you in, Lord, and that uh, they would know you and just fall madly and deeply in love with you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you were encouraged by this study. If you have any questions, please call us at Calvary Chapel El Monte at air code 626-454-3414. Remember that Jesus loves you.